0: This is I Pierce the Toast. I'm Sean. And
1: I'm AJ. Let's make some toast.
0: Welcome back to I Pierce the Toast. AJ, I, uh, I'm hungry. Are you hungry? Are, are you going to say for some toast? For some Toast?
1: is that where you were going with this i'm assuming we just ate so i'm assuming i mean i don't know where you're going with this
0: (laughs) uh no i'm hungry for something fried
1: oh you mean fried green tomatoes yeah that sounds that sounds delightful that sounds delectable that's the movie we're going to talk yes you would
0: think i would want toast because we are i pierce the toast but no i want i want some fried green tomatoes
1: i mean i thought you were watching your carbs so i mean i don't think (laughs) wait do tomatoes have a lot of carbs I mean, the, the batter, I think, would have a lot of carbs. And, I mean, a lot of fat
0: and whatnot in there. I don't know. See, and now I'm, now I'm going to have to check my, my, my fitness pal. This is not an endorsement, <laughs> all right? My fitness pal is not paying me. Sponsor I just, us. I just, you, you can sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, that, those two things go together. My fitness pal sponsoring a podcast with a couple of idiots talking about fucking 20-year-old <laughs> <laughs>
1: So before we go any further, I mean, I think we should start calling the podcast IPTT.
0: Okay, so I, I thought about this. I've, I've really given a lot of thought to uh, the acronym, and I. But then, out of nowhere, uh, there was a, a Chinese balloon floating overhead, and I saw the letters IPTT. So, just out of respect for um, patriotism, I don't think we can call it IPTT. No, fuck patriotism, <laughs> <laughs> IPTT, <laughs> communist. <laughs>
1: Anyway, this <laughs> week we are going to be talking about a 1991, I know, that
0: that dates me by one year. One year. Yeah. So you were one years old when you first saw this. I don't think I watched it when I was one year old.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it was it was um, released in 1991. It was directed by John a- uh, Avnet, who this was actually his first directed movie. But he had produced quite a bit. He had produced Risky Business, Less Than Zero, previous to this one. Then he went on to direct The War, Up Close and Personal. And then he did a movie called Righteous Kill. If you've never seen this one, you need to watch it. It's got Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in
0: it. Oh, that, okay. Sold. That's all yeah, I did. It's I, you, so good. <laughs> you could tell me it's a it's it's a live version Teletubbies. And if you mention De Niro and Pacino, it's like, yeah, okay, fuck it. I'm in. Let's do this.
1: He also did have a co-producer on this. Uh, it's Jordan Kerner. He did Less Than Zero again with John Edmett. And then he did all of the Mighty Ducks movies.
0: All of the Mighty Ducks movies? All of them.
1: All of them. Yeah. What
0: about the show? I don't think so. I don't remember seeing that in the filmography or anything like that. So wait, okay. How many? Well, there were three Mighty Ducks. Movies, three. right? Yeah. yeah. So three, and now we've got the the show. recent television show yeah. on Disney. Okay, gotcha. He did. I mean, he he was a co producer on one of my
1: favorite, Well, not one of my favorite, my favorite movie of all time, the Three Musketeers from the '90s. He co produced that. He did a lot nice. of other uh, Disney movies as well. So
0: wait, is that how, um, is that how O'Donnell made it to this film?
1: I I was don't through him. I don't know. I think. The Three Musketeers came out after this, so there's no way.
0: Oh, really? Okay, so maybe O'Donnell followed him to Three Musketeers.
1: It's a possibility. I don't okay. know. All right, all right.
0: Um, but then he also
1: did Inspector Gadget, one and two. Nice. So, Wait, there was a second one? Yeah. Yeah. Really? It wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a second one. The screenplay was written by Carol Sobieski, who uh, was on Annie. I guess she did was a screenwriter for Annie. And the Born Identity TV show.
0: There's a TV... Okay, I'm learning too much today, and it, my head hurts. Yeah, I
1: think it was in the 80s, I think, is when this
0: movie... The 80s? was uh, when the TV show, yeah. So it, pre- it it predates the movies?
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was older, and I don't know. I I just looked it up, and I was like, yeah, I don't really
0: want to watch this, so I'm not going to research this anymore. Okay, so I'm going to ask this. Um, I, I looked at your, your notes for the show today. Do you want to go through the entire cast? Yeah yes <laughs> there there's quite a few people but the reason that i have to
1: go through the entire cast is because i have to talk about them all because they all <laughs> like they all tired the I, they, story. Yeah, they all
0: definitely play a role in the film I, I get why we have to do it i just uh i don't know if like if you're if you're out there and you're listening um, now would be a good time for a snack because this Maybe is going to take popcorn, a popcorn because it's the movies. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the movies. All right, lay it on me. Let's do
1: it. All right. So before we go into the cast, I do want to say that this was actually adapted from a book by Fanny Flagg, who was also in the movie as well. She was one of the teachers because, as I'll describe later, one of the characters goes to a lot of classes to try to save her marriage. Oh, those okay. Yeah. Th-
0: those teachers. Yeah. She was okay.
1: also Nurse Wilkins in Greece
0: nurse wilkins in
1: greece so in the uh, very beginning of the movie she's the nurse that's like um it's only been however many hours or something like that that we've been here and all of my whatever is gone i don't
0: think i remember you'd have to watch scene. it's a very
1: small but yeah she is okay in there. gotcha um she was also on the match game she's a regular panelist but yeah, the book itself i've actually started Wait, reading the match
0: game like welcome to the match game yeah, that she, match Game. yeah she was a panelist on there okay all right is she is she still with us yeah Oh
1: wow! Okay, interesting. And I watched a lot of interviews for this movie, and she is a fucking character. Oh yeah, yeah. She's one of those people that uh, if you're listening to this, Fanny, I'm pretty sure you're not. But if you <laughs> are,
0: when you're doing interviews, you should probably answer the questions and not just keep talking. Okay, Fanny, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take the. Uh devil's advocate there i'm gonna say don't ever answer another question again you talk about whatever you want because you made this glorious film and for that we owe you a debt of gratitude and nobody can tell you anything
1: in the the book from what i'm reading right now is pretty good so i mean there's that oh just pretty good huh yeah. Just pretty good well i mean i haven't finished the book so i don't, I don't know <laughs> I got to the part where I really wanted to see. I'm like, all right, so how different is this from here? And I was like, oh, it's very different. <laughs> all right, all right. All right. Give, lay the cast on okay. because this is, yeah, this is going to take a bit. <laughs> all right. So I do have to kind of differentiate the past and the future because it does take place in two different time
0: periods. Okay. So uh, what are those time periods before we go too far?
1: There is the 1930s. So like okay. during the um, Depression era. Okay. Like gotcha. At the very end. Right. So early 30s. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Okay. And what's and, our what's our future, quote unquote?
1: Uh, it's the '90s. So, exa- like exact 1991.
0: Or is is it the future, or I guess from the the perspective of the film, it's the present. In in the film, that 1991 is our present, and that's where we kind of that's where we are. Yes. We're harkening back to the past, right? Yeah. Okay, so gotcha. the
1: pr- the present time period for the movie would have been 1990 or 1991.
0: I almost want to keep this in. That is so stupid. <laughs> uh, just in case we do decide to keep this in, right now you're hearing this awful sound in the background. That's my wife opening and closing the garage. Yes. Because we're literally in the room right above it, so it's as loud as it could possibly be. Yeah, we don't have an actual recording studio. It's just
1: a makeshift in the side of your office. What are it's... you talking about? This is
0: this is the, this is the studio. This yeah, is perfect. It's a chair. Uh, it's <laughs> got, <laughs> it really ties the fucking room together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lebowski. Let's let's move on. (laughs) All right, so we're starting. Let's let's hop in our DeLorean and we're gonna go back to the past. Hit me. Let's do this. Take your deep breath. Outstanding. Let's go. (laughs) Do I release the breath? No. Okay.
1: (laughs) All right. So starting out, we have Mary Louise Parker, who was in Weeds, The West Wing, Red, and Grand Canyon. Weeds. If you've never seen the show, or if you have seen the show, she's like the main fucking character. She plays Ruth. And then there's Mary Stuart Masterson, who plays Iggy
0: Threadgood. Um, she was in The Postman, Some Kind of Wonderful, and Benny in June. Okay, I got it. now. I see. I hate this. We're only two people in. I already have to stop you. Uh, w- w- who the hell was she in The Postman? She was the the kid. Um, she was the postman's child. What she was? Was she a child in the film? Oh, oh, you mean at the end? Yeah, like at the very end, yeah. where they're like dedicating the statue of uh, yeah. Of- of Kevin Costner. <laughs> yeah, and that's that that's her. That's her. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. And two, um help me out here cuz are, are we going to have to say Mary Louise or what what is it? Mary Louise Parker Mary and Mary, Mary Parker? Stewart and Massison. Mary St- are we got to say that the whole fucking time?
1: Well, I mean, I've just been calling them by their character names, so Iggy and Ruth, but I mean, in the it's kind of a fun fact in that on set people were always mixing their names up, so the director was like, "Yeah, Stu, hey Lou."
0: So, yeah.
1: (laughs) Stu and Lou. Yeah, so Mary Louise Parker became Lou, and
0: Mary Stuart Masterson became Stu. Okay, that's even confusing. I like, uh, what did you say, Ruth? We're going to go with Ruth and Iggy? Yeah, Ruth and Iggy. Okay, so Ruth, we got Ruth, and we got Iggy. Let's,
1: yeah, great. Uh, Also, another fun fact, because you know I love my fun facts, Uma Thurman was actually in the running to play Iggy, and Joanne Wally, who is in Willow. Okay, then coming up, it's a very small role, but it's also kind of a big role. Chris O'Donnell, who was in my favorite movie of all time, Three Musketeers, Also in Batman as Robin, Sin of a Woman, School Ties, NCIS, a whole slew of things. He plays Buddy Threadgood. Cicely Tyson played Sipsy. Uh, Shoes and Roots, The Help, one of my favorite movies, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Nice. I do like that one. Stan Shaw plays Big George. Roots, The Next Generation. So it's kind of funny because Sipsy is Big George's mom. Oh, okay. Uh, Which is pretty cool. Rocky, Harlem Knights, and this motherfucker was in Monster Squad. I bet
0: you love that. You're goddamn right I do. Yeah, because he's the uh yeah, he's the, he's uh No, I have no fucking idea he's a who detective. he was. He's, oh yes, he's the friend detective and he's actually somewhat of a comic relief yeah. too, which is weird because I don't typically associate him as a comic relief. Yeah. <laughs> You have Timothy Scott, who played Smokey. He was in Butch and the Ca-
1: Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Lonesome Dove, and the Return of Lonesome Dove. I've never seen those, but now I'm interested. No. Nope. Because this guy kind of seemed like a really interesting guy, and he died. Um, Nick Searcy, who plays Frank Bennett, who's a big character in this. Keep a lookout for Frank.
0: Okay, we're gonna was look out. Eagle Eye, Castaway. One hour photo. Wait, what? He was in Castaway? What was he? The fucking volleyball? No, he was... Uh, I think his name was Stan in there. he. Was there was the... two people in Castaway. There was Tom Hanks and a volleyball. There was a beginning to Tom Castaway. Hanks? There was no beginning in Castaway.
1: Yeah, he, when he was on the plane. His no, friend... there was had no a... plane.
0: There was no plane. There were no characters. There was no... Laura, what was what's the? the
1: this is not person. about Castaway. This is about fried green tomatoes. And Laura Dern was not Laura in Laura Dern. Movie.
0: The, who was, was it? What, what is it? Who is the love interest? What is her name? Shit! <laughs> this is this is not about. We'll come back to Castaway, guys. <laughs> so okay, he played the volleyball guy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Moneyball. <laughs> um, son of a bitch. Then you have Gary Basaraba who played Sheriff Grady. He was hefty and the Smurfs. He was an Irishman. Oh nice. Striptease, Brooklyn South at Wait, striptease show. with uh
0: Yeah. Um Kelly, what's her name? No, not Kelly. Oh, that's not her name. No, not Kelly, what's her name? Uh, 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 uh Bruce Willis's ex wife. Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Yes. Yes. He was in he was in that? Yeah. Who was he in that? I don't know. Oh, was he the No? I don't know. Go on. He was a guy. He was a guy. Then you had Richard Real. <laughs> We're on the um, podcast.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> Like we've said before, we are just two yahoos just
0: yucking it up for you guys. Yucking it up. All (laughs) right. Let's yuck yuck up some more green tomatoes. This is
1: the last of the past, okay? The (laughs) the future is really short. (laughs) Then we have Richard Real, who's in Free Willy, Glory of Mice and Men, Casino, Office Space,
0: and my favorite
1: out of all of them would be Bob Bigelow from Deuce Bigelow.
0: Oh, Oh, he's the guy in the toilets. He's the guy that, like... He, he gets a babunka or a – what was what, the cake? Some sort of weird-ass cake, right?
1: Oh, yeah. While well, he's already – he's, like, yeah. cleaning he's like, cleaning
0: it out. He's, like, cleaning a toilet, and he hands him some cake, and the guy just grabs it with his bare yeah. toilet cleaned hand yeah. and just takes a big old bite of it. Oh, God. And when I, was, when I was actually doing the research, and
1: I didn't even put it together when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, my God, that is him. That's awesome. Yeah, but he plays Reverend Scroggins. Scroggins. Yeah. Now we're going to go. We're going to get back in Under DeLorean and go to the future. All right. Go so on. we're going to hit 88 uh, miles per hour.
0: All right, Doc. Let's, <laughs> let's engage the, the flux
1: capacitor. So starting out with the the past, we have Kathy Bates. Oh, fucking
0: love yes. Kathy Bates. Awesome.
1: I'm, I'm not going to go through her whole filmography, but the big ones are Misery, for which she won an Academy Award and Titanic. She plays Evelyn Crouch. Um, then there's Jessica Tandy. And Jessica Tandy, when I was watching the movie, I was like, how do I know her?
0: She was in um, Driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. She was Daisy. And she was in uh, uh, Daisy. Batteries Not Included. Um, the Glass Menagerie. Yeah. She's in, oh, God, she's got a a storied film oh, yeah. uh, career. I mean, a, absolute, absolute and amazing actor. Oh, yeah. You know, totally, uh, you know, uh, just a icon of her time. I'm pretty
1: sure she originated the role of Blanche Debois um, on St- streetcar Named Desire as well.
0: Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Nice.
1: I believe this is one of her last films, uh, which is kind of cool because she actually won an Academy Award at 80 for Driving Miss Daisy. And then during the time that she was filming this role, she had chemo, so she didn't have any hair for this. She was
0: wearing a wig. That was a wig. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. So let me get this straight. This incredible woman wins uh, an Academy Award at 80. And then she does this iconic role yeah. while doing chemo. Mm-hmm. I I well, didn't I even want to get out of bed keto. this morning. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Jesus.
1: All right. We're almost done, guys, with the guest. <laughs> so there's Gallardo Sartain, who plays Ed, who is the the husband of Evelyn's character. Oh, that guy he, has a real name? Yeah. Oh, no, it doesn't matter. He was, in, <laughs> <laughs> he was in the Buddy Holly movie, the Ernest movies,
0: the Patriot, and Ali. Oh, in the Ernest movies, that's right. He's the guy that's always picking on Ernest. Yeah. He's always like a dick to him. Mm-hmm. All right, no wonder I didn't like him. No, I'm it, kidding. He's a, he's a great performer. I just He always plays a dick. The last character that I have is really kind of a small character. Doesn't really
1: contribute much to the plot, but I thought it was really cool to add her in. She's played by Constance Shulman. Her name is Missy, and she was Yoga Jones on Orange is the New Black. She was in Doug. As Patty Mayonnaise. Oh, that tracks. And what's really cool about this, and I was kind of looking at this, she was the originator of the off-Broadway version of Steel Magnolia for the role of Anel.
0: Oh, no kidding. Yeah. All right. All right. Really interesting to me. Yeah, she's the one. She's got that really high-pitched register, right? And that's, yeah. Yeah, like, but, like the Patty Maness character. Like, hi, everybody. I'm Patty Maness. I can't do it. <laughs> I was gonna say I can't Patty Maness. The, she, I mean, not like Patty Manis. She is Patty she Maness. Is, but, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, that, <laughs> yeah. high, that really high-pitched voice she uses yeah. for But yeah, okay. Yeah, she's a cool cat. So before we dive into the plot, there is
1: one little tidbit that I want to kind of throw out there for you guys. Kathy Bates was actually a friend of Fanny Flagg, who wrote the book, and during the time that She was writing the book. Misery had not yet got the acclaim it did, and Kathy Bates was not an Academy Award winner. Well, because they were friends and she was writing this book, when she was writing the role of Evelyn, who Kathy actually plays in the movie, she envisioned Kathy Bates.
0: No kidding.
1: So whenever the movie came out later and Kathy got the role of Evelyn, it was like almost a dream come true at that point because she wrote it with that in mind and she fulfilled that. So Flag
0: didn't have any sway in the casting it just it just wound up that way because yeah. she just fit the character so well yeah oh that's amazing it, it was just one of those things that really kind of just stuck out to me And i
1: was like that is really really cool you you did mention this is this is based off a book right yes it's based on a book by fanny flag called fried green tomatoes at the whistle stop cafe nice there are distinct differences one of them being the fact that there is a very clear romantic relationship between ruth and edgy's characters oh in the book. no shit yeah okay
0: so i'm not crazy because watching this film uh, you know uh, even as a you know what well, 1991 freaking 9 year old i don't know something so even watching this film then i, I sat there thinking I, I don't think that Ruth and Iggy is Izzy. is, he? is he? iggy iggy <laughs> I'm never to i can't say, say kim bassinger and you can't say iggy <laughs> <laughs> it's okay <laughs> ba- bassinger <laughs> fuck iggy so I, I just watching them on screen and, and maybe it was because of uh, how the, the incredible chemistry between these two actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I always got the impression that this was supposed to be more than friendship. So you're saying I'm not crazy. No,
1: you're not okay.
0: 100%. The director,
1: he read the book as well. And he thought for the time audiences wouldn't go for the fact that there was a lesbian relationship. So he did make some changes and I will kind of go into that with some of the scenes, but just know that the book is different than the movie and the in the book. They are a
0: definite lesbian couple. I in, mean, when you think about that. it, he, unfortunately, he was probably right because immediately what comes to mind for me is Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, uh, we have this film that does involve two men who are exploring their sexuality with one another. But that's all it became about. Yeah. You know, it was just, you know, jokes and mockery and, and really, you know, the the incredible filmmaking got lost in translation mm-hmm. So I can only imagine, you know, go back 20 more years to 1991, how bad that could have been.
1: Yeah. And I mean, kind of think about in our first episode, we talked about the birdcage and how that kind of played out. But that was a comedy. Yeah. And at the time, unfortunately, I mean, just without going off on this tangent, it was a laughable thing. It was. And, and that was six years later, even. And this was a serious movie. They yeah. didn't want something to laugh at. So I'm thinking he really just looked at it and said, we're going to go this direction. We'll hint at it. But we're not going to go there. That's just a preface. If you have read the book but you've never seen the movie and you're kind of listening to our shitty podcast, that's what's going
0: <laughs> on. How dare you? I I have put a lot of work into this podcast for the three episodes we've been doing. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay, AJ. So we, we've we've got we've got our disclaimers out of the way. Yes, it's written out a book. Paint me a picture. Take me take me into the world of Fried tomatoes that are also green i'm gonna paint you a fucking rembrandt oh you beautiful man let's do it show me so
1: just buckle up guys this is probably going to be a long episode (laughs) the movie opens up with evelyn who i said again is played by kathy bates and her husband they're getting lost in the middle of nowhere and they come across a place that on the sign says whistle stop cafe on the way to go see ed's aunt vesta at a retirement facility They're sitting in the car, and Ed's just kind of basically saying, this is your fault. You should have told me to go here, blah, 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 blah. And Evelyn kind of hears a train whistling, but there's no train.
0: And then they kind of drive off, and they go to the retirement home. I love that we're not even like a second into this yet, and I already fucking hate Ed. Like he's so <laughs> yeah. good at it. He's so good. Like he like anytime they're they're like, okay, hey, we got casting to do. We gotta find a guy that's gonna piss off the entire fucking audience. They're like, oh yeah, get that get that guy uh that uh that used to give shit to freaking Ernest.
1: Yeah. <laughs> get him.
0: <laughs> so
1: uh when they get the retirement facility, Vesta is not happy at all to see Evelyn uh, she basically throws something out of the room at her, and that's pretty much the it. Evelyn walks down the hall, she kind of sits by herself, and then she hears this older woman just start talking to her.
0: No, you're good. Sorry. I was trying to I was trying to <laughs> Sorry. I was trying to I was trying to take a deep breath and I didn't want to go. <sighs> oh. Okay. I didn't want to breathe it right into the mic, so <laughs> I was like, I better do this off the side. And then I realized as I was doing, I was like. Oh God, I probably look like I'm having a heart attack. I should give him a thumbs up. I'm definitely at the age now where AJ has to start worrying about those kinds of things. Oh yeah, things. it's true. Sean might have a fucking heart attack. Um, okay, where the fuck were we? <laughs> so God. Evelyn Evelyn
1: kinda goes off by herself and she sits down, and then this older woman just starts talking to her about nothing. She's like, you know, they took my gallbladder. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how? It is? I'm pretty sure that's that how. I'm pretty sure said. that's exact thing. And then she starts saying like random shit about people that Evelyn would know nothing about. And Evelyn is like, you know how we? Unfortunately, I'm sorry. If you're an older person and you're you're what, you're listening to this, we do do this to you, where we go, uh-huh, yeah, that's oh, great, that's yeah, wonderful, that's wonderful, oh. that's fabulous. I'm glad for your gallbladder,
0: but I'm glad for your gallbladder congratulations to you and your organs <laughs> <laughs> um
1: so she she's kind of just saying hello blah 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 the older woman introduces herself as ninny and then she starts talking about a murder and evelyn's like wait
0: what <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's almost like it's almost like ninny knew like ninny was like oh okay you're gonna you're gonna ignore me you're gonna, you're gonna you wanna you don't not going to give me the fair do on my gallbladder that's fine bitch i got a story for you or Nini hit her with a fucking cold open is what she did. <laughs> yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> a gallbladder got removed the other day. <laughs> That's nice, Grandma. Oh, and somebody's been murdered. Oh, excuse me? No, what? <laughs> so what?
1: So Nini starts painting a picture, like I'm doing for you right now, about something that happened in the past. She starts describing a young girl by the name of Idgied Threadgood, who's tomboyish, and she wants absolutely nothing to do with being made to wear a dress because the day is her sister's wedding. Her older brother, Julian, taunts her, and she gets pretty pissed off. She launches at him, starts hitting him, and then she runs out of the house and just runs up a tree and just starts throwing her clothes off, which I thought was kind of interesting to me. And then her brother, Buddy, like I said, played by a young chris o'donnell which fun fact the dude did not really do
0: the georgia accent that he should have done for this he just kind of did the basic southern accent oh god yeah oh you're right he did didn't he just he just phoned it completely in yeah everybody else is talking in those well i don't want to do this i don't want to get married i don't want to want. and then here comes chris o'donnell like well hey guys
1: well he's <laughs> like yeah let's talk about those oysters <laughs> Because he does, he does. He talks about a story about these oysters and how God chooses each one to make a pearl. God doesn't make mistakes. And he's like, hey, you know, he made sure we got together. So he gets Itchy out of the tree. They go through the ceremony. And as the wedding's going on, we get introduced to Ruth. Ruth is the apple of Buddy's eye. She says that Buddy was in love with Ruth and he even pulls her to the side. And it's the 30s, so this probably shouldn't happen. But he basically, you know, is like, come here, come a little bit closer. And he starts kissing her. As he's kissing Ruth,
0: Ruth's hat flies off. So in classic superhero fashion... Fashion. Okay. I thought you said faction. And I was like, superhero faction? Is this a pun that I'm not getting? Because that that would not be (laughs) the first time that a pun went over my (laughs) head. No. In classic superhero
1: fashion, when the hat gets whipped off of Ruth's head, he's like, I'm going to go get it. Goes down to go rescue this hat. The hat gets whipped onto a train track. And so as he's trying to get the hat... Everything goes fine and nothing bad happens, right? No. There's a lot that happens. So his foot gets stuck and a train starts coming down the track. And then he gets loose and nothing bad happens, right? No. Iggy and Ruth kind of look on in horror as the train gets closer, Buddy's struggling. They kind of think it's a joke at first. And then the train kind of goes over him. And then you hear the brake squeal. Everyone at the party comes running. And Iggy runs to the train and is crying frantically, just screaming Buddy's name. And Big George comes and grabs her. And obviously, Big George just saw what the
0: hell just happened. But Buddy just got hit by a fucking train. She doesn't want to see that. But but then, then Buddy jumps on the top of the train, and it was all a magic trick, and nothing bad happened? No, he's dead. God, like, I'm Buddy, down. Buddy's dead. So we're, so we're just... Like, are that it? Are we done with Chris O'Donnell already? Yeah, he's gone. He's in, <laughs> It's just in the very beginning of the movie. So, okay.
1: But so he, does, he does kind of set the stage, because he is... What got Ruth and Iggy together? He was the the point that got them together.
0: Oh, okay, so he, okay, he is an important catalyst of yeah. of bringing these two uh, main characters together. Yeah, okay, all right, fair enough. Still though, I'm kind of kind of disappointed about Chris O'Donnell, <laughs> <laughs> but where he comes back as Robin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so with Buddy gone, Ag becomes a recluse. She really just goes out into the wilderness by herself. The only one that can really Get to her is Big
0: George. He's the the wilderness. Yeah, like this is this is turning into George of the goddamn jungle. I mean, kind of. She just goes out, talks to bees, or does whatever (laughs) she does. I mean, (laughs) she's talking to bees, talking to bees.
1: (laughs) But she's she's out there just kind of doing her own thing, being by herself, not really interacting with her family even. And then one day, she gets called home by her mom, just basically saying, "Hey, we need you to come back." When she gets there, she sees a man outside who ends up being. Later down the line, you know, is Frank Bennett, who is a big character in this. Just keep an eye out for Frank.
0: Keep an eye out for Frank.
1: All right. So she goes there. She's talking to her mom. And it's kind of funny because you can see just how not ladylike for the time she is. She's like in overalls, but they're like rolled up. She's carrying a whole thing of fish. She's kind of hands to her mom. <laughs> she, a whole thing of, Yeah, it, she, There's like probably like eight or ten fish. Just, just, She's like, here you go. I just caught these. <laughs> and she sees that Ruth is there. And they don't really go into it um, if whether or not Iggy kind of holds Ruth responsible
0: oh, for sure.
1: Buddy's death. But I kind of think that's probably what kind of goes into it because she's very kind of put off by Ruth being there. Well, I mean, it was her hat, the evil bitch. <laughs> <I wanted laughs> yeah, it was no, I'm kidding. Her <laughs> fault, clearly. <laughs> Ruth and Iggy's mom kind of have a conversation, and you can tell. That her intention is for Ruth to be able to kind of bring Iggy back and kind of take the
0: wild out of her. Interesting. All right.
1: And so Ruth really tries to befriend Iggy. Just trying every which way. And Iggy wants nothing to do with this. At first, there's a moment where it starts to kind of take a turn. Where Iggy is kind of thinking, like, maybe she'll let Ruth in. Where in the middle of the night, she runs off. She gets into a train. And Ruth is trying to tell her, don't go on this train. Basically trying to get her away from it. And Iggy kind of says, You'll never get up here with me. And Ruth tells her, Don't ever say, Don't you ever say never to me.
0: So it's kind of a running thing. Like, don't ever tell Ruth she's not going to do something. Oh, interesting. So that's kind of, that'll become her her driving motivation yeah. when people try to tell her there's things she can't do. Yeah. Gotcha. So
1: Ruth gets on the train and she starts seeing that there's a lot more to Iggy than she really thought. There's She's not just a surface person, just all about herself. She starts throwing canned goods and just food off the train to a homeless tent oh, area like a homeless encampment yeah a homeless. oh encampment. Nice, nice so i guess at the time it would have been what What was the name for it uh a- hooverville hooverville yeah sure. so like a hooverville just throwing food off to them and ruth is like okay well there's another part to Iggy that i thought and there's a point where they've kind of gone as far as they gotta go she's like we gotta get off this train so Iggy and ruth jump off the train Iggy hurts herself and ruth basically helps Iggy get back it's like a two-mile walk back home. What, and what, how do you mean she helps her? Like, does she carry her? Not really carry her. She kind of tells her, no, you're going to walk, but I'm going to be here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not
0: really helping, more just, uh, just pro- providing a support. <laughs> yeah.
1: So she- as that goes on, they start to become fast friends. There's a point where during the summer, they're really just interacting with each other, just really starting to develop some type of friendship.
0: And you can tell there's a little bit more going on there. But as I said, the director only hints at it. It's never full force. So, right. So there's a romance that's kind of brewing under the surface here. We as an audience are not really privy to that within yeah. the context of the film. But, you know, in the book, yes, we we it's pretty explicit.
1: So, Iggy brings Ruth into her world of gambling and just, like, drinking and living life to the fullest, there's even a scene where she takes Ruth to this field, and she tells Ruth to stay there, and she kind of wanders off. And there's a beehive where Ruth can see that she's just walking there, no protection or anything like that, sticks her hand into the honeycomb, just covered in fucking bees. Comes back and just tries to give Ruth the honeycomb, and Ruth is freaking out.
0: She's like, I've never seen anybody do that before. I think I remember this scene. Isn't it like... Uh... It, it's the music is really ominous, if I remember right. Yeah, and she, you know, she's walking up, and it, it's just it's very like slow motion, and she's being very careful. Like she's not just going up there, just like you know, I am just gonna grab some damn honey. No, it's like she's she's really you know methodical yeah. and and really slow. And this whole thing, it's it's like the cinematography on this is amazing. The the way they kind of paint yeah. this 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 scene, they make you feel really in the moment. And
1: what's really super interesting about this scene is that Mary Stuart Masterson her um her stunt double for the day quit that same day. Oh shit. So
0: Mary actually did this by herself. Wait, no 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 sorry. Who? Lou. Lou. Okay, thank you. Sorry, no, not Stu, sorry, not Stu, Stu. Yeah, Mary Stuart Stu Masterson. So, so Mary Louise Yeah. That's uh, so, Dreyfus. No. So Stu. Stu. Um
1: she actually did that by herself. Okay. What's kind of funny about that is later in life, Mary Stuart Masterson or Stew. Is actually a bee charmer now. She's actually Oh she really. Yeah, she's a beekeeper. Well, it's fun. Yeah, she said that she felt that she was
0: living a lie all those years after and felt that she needed to do it right. So is she uh is she like that that TikTok lady that's like it was another good day of saving the bees? I hope to God not. That sounds creepy <laughs> as hell. Oh, she's great. She's like ASMR, but like she she just goes out and she helps save beehives. She's awesome. She's I mean she's no Mary Stuart Masterson, but you know, she's she, she's fine. Yeah, she's fine. <laughs> But anyway,
1: the summer kind of comes to an end. Ruth tells Iggy that she's going to get married at the end of the summer to a man named Frank Bennett, who is this, the guy that we saw earlier, who I also told you to keep an eye out for.
0: So we kind of see this. Uh, we're almost kind of bringing it full circle. Um, didn't uh, didn't Iggy and Ruth meet initially on a wedding day? That Yeah. Yeah. So they, that's their initial meeting point. And now, we, we, you know at that point, she was very you know, cold and reluctant towards her. There was a tragic event that happens and now we've come full circle. And once again, we're, we're having a wedding that once again, Iggy is kind of not wanting to participate in. Yeah. We're almost, we're almost seeing this just the, how this lack of growth that was stunted by Chris O'Donnell's death early in the film, we're, we're seeing it come full circle. And now she's feeling betrayed again. Best friend and kind of hinted at as
1: being a romantic partner is leaving her again and so Iggy kind of reverts to her ways and goes straight back to what she was doing. There is a scene where when Ruth gets married, Iggy doesn't go to the wedding. But she does end up driving up to Ruth's house and watches them enter the house. Like kind of watches Frank bring her through the threshold.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So now we're back in the present. We're back in 1991. Oh, right. Oh, my God. Wow. I. <laughs> so this is what Fried Green Tomatoes does to you. Even your retelling of it. Uh, it. It just trans- transports you to the nineteen thirties, and you're just you're just there, and you're just it's you're you're watching it all happen, and you completely forget that you're you're not that you know there's a whole other timeline yeah. that you're a part of. That's crazy. So we're so we're back with Kathy Bates. Yeah, this is we're back with Kathy Bates. We're back in the nursing
1: home, and Ed tells her that you know they need to leave, and you can tell that Evelyn has now kind of got a little bit attached to Ninny, and she's saying, okay, well. You know, it was really nice meeting you. I was really enjoying your story. But then she has to go. You start finding out that Ed and Evelyn are definitely having marital problems. Because Ed's a dick. Yeah, he's he's a dick. It looks like that there's an empty nest syndrome thing kind of going on where their son is left. Evelyn's desperately trying to save their marriage. She's trying to bring the spark back into it because Ed wants nothing to do with her. He gets home and she's already cooked dinner. She wants to really just spend time with him. And all he wants to do is take his dinner into the kitchen or in the living room and just start watching football, baseball. What have you just not really spending time with Evelyn? Mm. Evelyn really is taking the time to take classes. There's some interesting classes that she's taking. One of them involves her taking a mirror and looking at her vagina. And like you do? Yeah, it's it's funny cuz there's <laughs> there's <laughs> Are we just going to rush over that. <laughs> well, it, I'm still like it's funny because there's a part in here where the the teacher's like, "Do you have a problem looking at your I forgot exactly the term that she used, but she's like basically let's stop looking at your vagina. Like she's like, do you have a problem looking at your vagina? And she's like, I do have a problem with my girdle. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just interesting. But she's she's really, really trying to bring that spark back. She has no confidence in herself at all. She's ashamed of her weight. She's always eating candy and other sweets. And there's a moment where she's there at a grocery store and she's leaving and this kid basically is like you know get out of my way you old bitch he's just so rude to her and she cannot
0: understand why i remember thinking that watching the movie is she seems like such a sweet genuine woman she's not you know you obviously get this kind of like you know karen uh archetype in some mm-hmm. films. But that I never that was never Kathy Bates in this film. No. She was that wanted her husband to love her more and to uh share in this marital experience the same way she felt that they should be sharing it in. She wanted people to be genuinely kind to one another and interact well with one another. So she was genuinely taken aback when people were complete and utter garbage. And she just didn't understand it at all. Now there is <laughs>
1: And this is kind of confusing whenever you're watching the movie because there's so many times where it bounces back and forth between the present and the future. So if you watch the movie and it's not exact where I'm placing the the future, or sorry, the present, just know that it, it gets kind of confusing because it does bounce back and forth. But as I'm describing it, I'll explain what's going on in the future, or sorry, the present, and I'll also describe what's going on in the past. So just know they might not line up exactly with the movie, but it's the general flow. And on this, in this part right here, She goes down and she has already had some conversations with Nenny. She has had some moments where Nenny has explained what's been going on with Ruth and Iggy. She's also just been talking to her. And one day she's talking to Nenny and it happens after the the kid is just so rude to her. She can't understand it. She breaks down. She tells her that she's eating everything. She's just gaining all this weight. Her husband doesn't want to touch her. And Nenny just kind of looks at her and she just starts laughing whenever... (laughs) Uh, Evelyn
0: starts crying because she's like, "You're just going through the change." Oh no! <laughs> <You can't. laughs> just, just. I said, "What the worst part is, I I know exactly what she means because yeah. I remember my I remember my older relatives using that back yeah, in the 90s. change. Well, your grandma the change. <laughs> forevermore. <laughs> heavenly days, <laughs> heavenly days. But she, and then
1: she's like, "You should go get some hormones. It'll straighten you right out." And she also mentions that uh that Evelyn has a pretty complexion and she could sell cosmetics. I dropped this in because that's
0: kind of a big thing that happens later. Okay. Now we're going to go back to the past. So wait, why was Evelyn back at this retirement home? Was was it uh was Ed visiting the aunt again or did she go there just to see uh uh Jessica Tandy's character?
1: Well, it it starts off with her just going to go see Aunt Vesta, but then eventually becomes her going to just go see ninny on her own okay, because then nice. it becomes a friend but
0: in this particular one that we're, where we're about to flash back again she's there for aunt vesta yeah okay gotcha.
1: i will No. and this one i believe she just went to go see ninny oh
0: okay so she's like just, i said okay.
1: it gets kind of confusing back and forth in this part we're just going to assume that she was there to just talk to ninny gotcha so going back to the past it stops by to see ruth just randomly drops in she's got a little bit older she's got some fire back in her and she tells Ruth's mom, who answers the door, because I guess during the time your parents also lived with you? Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. She says, tell her it's the beach armor from Alabama. Ruth comes to the door, and it becomes clear that Frank's been beating Ruth. Okay, so we already we don't like Frank. Yeah, we definitely don't like Frank. Okay, Frank's a prick. Got it. Ruth tells her to leave, and Iggy does leave. And as she's leaving, Frank comes to the door, and he's like, "Who is that? Ruth says, it was no one. Just basically just trying to play this off, because... She knows that she's stuck in the situation. Some time does pass, and Iggy comes to hear that Ruth's mom has died, and Ruth does send for Iggy again. Iggy's like, no, we're going to rescue Ruth, because now that her mom's died, she needs to get out of the situation. Oh, so Ruth's
0: mom has died. Yeah, Ruth's mom has died. So the only potential barrier within the house that could have maybe given Ruth some reprieve from her abusive relationship is now gone. Yeah, now it's just basically full force. Iggy gets there. She brings
1: Big George who is, he's, he's, he's a big boy. So, well, I, I assume that by the name. <laughs> so she, it, it's Big big George and her brother Julian. And Julian, I didn't really mention his, his character because he's not really that big of a character. He, this is the only point that I believe you see him again, pretty much. He just goes there to try to help. And she goes up and she starts talking to Ruth. And Ruth tells her, Ruth tells her that she's pregnant. Oh, shit. So this adds another layer of like, oh, no, how are we going to do this? Iggy's like, nope, we're getting you out of here. You're not going to keep getting beat by this man. As they're leaving, Frank walks in. And at the time, just to kind of set the stage for you, Big George and Julian are outside. They're loading the car up to try to get all Ruth's stuff in. Iggy and Ruth are in kind of a parlor area, just going through hats. It's kind of innocuous, but it's just one of those things that you can tell that Ruth still holds some attachment to some of her items, and she wants to take those with her. Gotcha. Frank walks in. He is very pissed off. Tells them that Ruth's not leaving. And basically slaps the shit out of her. And there's a part where Iggy jumps on his back and he just throws Iggy off. And Iggy's nose is bleeding. So is
0: Frank a big guy or is he just he's just a strong guy? Like he, what's, what's he's his not deal?
1: necessarily a big or strong guy. It's just
0: they, they, they were pretty small women. Okay. So, so he just it's not he just kind of overpowered them. He's, he one. just has an advantage on them specifically. Yeah, not not, necessi- he's not necessarily like a, a big guy for the time or anything. Yeah. He's not Be, Big George. <laughs>
1: no, because what happens is that Julian and Big George rush in when they hear this happening. And they kind of tell him, you know, you're not going to do – well, George doesn't really say anything. But Julian tells him you're not going to do this, steps to Frank – Frank kind of looks at him and Julian's kind of a Weasley character so he's like you don't want to upset big george. Big George takes out a knife doesn't say anything just starts like kind of trimming his nails. He's like cuz big george is crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um I should this make be a- our interactions from now on. I hope you know that. I'm just going to walk up to people and be like, "Well, I'm fine, but but AJ." And and then you have oh, to take out nails. you have to take out the the world's tiniest nail trimmer and just start cleaning your nails yeah. that very intimidatingly. <laughs>
1: I should mention, just so everyone knows what's going on here, Big George is a black man.
0: Just, oh, you know what? Yeah, you're that, right. That, that becomes a big part it. That's later. kind of important. because yeah, th- yeah.
1: And it's the 30s, so you can only imagine what's probably going to happen later. But Big uh, Big George has now intimidated Frank, because Frank looks at Big George, and he's obviously afraid. As I said, George is a big boy. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. <laughs> so Frank kind of turns he realizes that he's not going to get out of this by himself. And he seems to let Ruth go, but instead kicks her down the steps. Oh! Now, this will come back later, but Iggy turns to him as they're getting Ruth out of the house and says, next time that she sees him, she's going to kill him. Oh, I think that becomes important later, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Some time passes. Ruth and Iggy... Get Alone. I believe it's from Iggy's mom. Um, Something like that. Just so they can start their own cafe. It's the same one that Evelyn saw in the beginning of this movie. Ruth the, uh, does have
0: a little baby boy. Is it called the Whistle Stop at this point? It is or? the Whistle Stop the Cafe. The Whistle Stop Cafe. That's what got they call it. Is the Whistle Stop Cafe. Gotcha.
1: Ruth has a little baby boy who they named Buddy Junior, which is interesting because he's not really
0: a junior. But... Also kind of weird that she's got to name him after the guy she killed with a hat. <laughs> God, Chris O'Donnell. Ruth, he's Dr. Daniel?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um...
1: But Ruth has a little baby boy, like I said, name, name is Buddy Junior, and life does proceed to get better for the both of them. Them together as a unit is one of the most wholesome things ever because they both are just striving to just be there for one another. It's, it's really cool. They start to work together to also serve the community. As I said before, this is during the 30s and during the time serving people of color was not good. Mm. so the whistle stop cafe did not discriminate who they served they served the black community they served an old homeless drifter by the name of smoky oh sure smoky yeah Yeah, that's right yeah he's 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 gonna come
0: into play a little more later yeah yeah he's just this old just old hobo guy that kind of drifts in he doesn't really have a a lot of money is my memory fucking with me or is the guy that plays smoky the guy from home alone no that's not him that's not him okay no (laughs) <laughs> not at all you look disappointed in me for yeah. being able to for not be, fuck go on all right but Smokey, you can tell is
1: really down on his luck he is struggling to even eat his food he's got the shakes and i actually had to explain this to my girlfriend whenever she was watching because she never seen this movie either of why he was shaking he's I was an like, alcoholic I assume. yeah he's an alcoholic he's got the dts he's yeah. detoxing right and so Iggy gives him some alcohol to try to help with that and later on down the line ruth sees this act of kindness and she's like i'm gonna take another step further she goes to this kind of shack that Smokey is staying in and puts a blanket on him in the middle of the night and he thanks her and now that act of kindness comes back later so at the actual diner itself big george is actually the barbecue person so he cooks all of the barbecue rated as the best barbecue in alabama so one thing that I should mention, and I've just kind of noticed this, and you guys are probably going to be like, why the fuck have you been saying Georgia this entire time? It's in it's in Georgia, isn't it? it, it it's in two different states, and it kind of intermingles. Ruth gets married to Frank Bennett and goes to Georgia. But the
0: movie takes place in
1: Alabama.
0: So wait, where is the whistle stop? Is that in Alabama? It's in Alabama. Okay. So most of where we've been is Alabama, which is mostly yeah. what we've been saying. But she goes up to... Georgia. Georgia. When she's with Frank, yes, and, and then comes back. So wait, what? What about the early on stuff where we're with like Iggy and and Chris? That's O'Donnell. Alabama. That's Alabama. That's Alabama. Okay, this is. <laughs> so I'm sorry, so, guys. So now we have to contend with two timeline, two different timelines, and two different states. Yeah. Fuck. It's okay.
1: It's okay. <laughs> it's all good. It's timey wimey, wibbly wobbly You know that all.
0: That's going right. to be a constant theme in our
1: fucking show, right? We just keep messing <laughs> stuff up. It's all right. It's not professionals. <laughs> So one of the running themes in this is that there is a character in the the movie by the name of Sheriff Grady. Oh, okay. Grady has been a friend to Iggy and Ruth kind of this entire time, but he really becomes a major player later in when he steps in and he tells Iggy, a lot of people don't take too kind to you serving the black community here. He doesn't say it in those words, but he does say that people don't like that. And Iggy makes mention that she knows that he's a part of the KKK. She's like, mm. "We know, we know what you guys do, but... You can tell that Grady even though he is a part of the KKK, he becomes a good guy later on down the line. I'm oh, not really? going to I'm not going to say that he's a great guy, but yeah, he he gets he, gets a, a s- a he, arc, he gets a small redemption arc. gets a small redemption. Okay. All right, fair enough. So, the namesake of this movie comes into a moment where Iggy and Ruth are in the kitchen and they're cooking and Iggy has burnt the shit out of some fried green tomatoes that she's making (laughs) and she gets ruth to try them and ruth just says yeah those are the most horrible thing that she's ever tasted in her life and and she starts a food fight with her they start throwing flour at each other icing berries pretty much everything they can get a hold of and it's interesting that the director actually for this because he knew that people weren't going to accept a lesbian love story this was supposed to be almost a love scene between oh, the two. Oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: That's what that was intended that for? That was
1: intended. I always
0: thought that was like just the most just wholesome, right? fun scene.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> he was he was really just intending it to be like, this is a moment where they're, you know. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my little stupid naive nine-year-old brain. Right. That's great. Now, Grady does step in and he's like, I'm going to have to arrest y'all for disorderly conduct. And they just slap icing on his face. <laughs> I was about to say, don't they, like, don't they start yeah. throwing food
0: at him? Yeah. So wait, does that mean that he was like like since this is a representation I think of what you're lovemaking. looking it into
1: a little bit more okay good like you i don't think that's what happened
0: okay guys now it seems like based off the metaphor that's been given us here uh that grady has now been brought into a threesome that's yeah, that's, that's what not that that's like. not what
1: happened okay there's that's checking. not what's going down good. At the whistle stop cafe. I, <laughs> <laughs> is that not how they that's, that's not that's how, how they get how they down the whistle stop <laughs> no the secrets in the sauce <laughs> <laughs> oh god so a little bit down the line, Frank shows up in KKK attire, and he gets into the house where his son is, and he steps to Ruth and Sipsy, and he basically says, I'm going to have my
0: son. Okay, so this is Frank, the the husband that was yeah, being here. the Yeah, the, the husband. And he's also being. in the KKK. Yeah. There's not a single redeeming fucking fact about this no, piece of shit. No, he is a <laughs> piece of shit. Wow.
1: And he steps to, um, like I said, he steps to Ruth and he steps to Sipsy. Sipsy is Big George's mom, who kind of takes care of Buddy whenever they're not there, and she just kind of takes care of the house in general. And she tells Frank, "I'm not scared of you." Like little Sipsy is this little tiny woman. She's old, and she's like, "I'm not scared of you."
0: Get
1: out! Of here. Get! <laughs> it's just. Oh, I think I remember that where she's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it, slapping yeah. him with a broom, and he just, <laughs> just rips the broom out of his hand. Her hand just throws it. But he tells he tells Ruth, you know, I'm gonna have my son. And at it's at this point that. Him and his friends take Big George because he's now been slighted by Big George before and he's now got all his friends. He was intimidated by him before, but now that he's got all of his friends together, he's going to he's going to get his revenge
0: like a coward. Sure. So
1: all of his friends are taking um, Big George out back. Iggy and Grady are alerted to this and Iggy tries to stop it. They don't listen to her at all. But Grady, because he is the sheriff of the town, enforces the law. He tells them that does not fly around here. You're going to turn him loose. And so finally, they let him go. And the way that they say it is pretty callous. They just say, "Oh, we've had our fun for the night. Turn him oh, loose." That's fucking sick.
0: Yeah, I know, but I do love that Grady is. I mean, he's a KKK member at this point, yeah. right? But I, it, it's almost like he's starting to see humanity in people that are different than him. Yeah. So that's I, I like the redemption there. I mean, not I, I don't want it to be a, a, a white savior thing here, but uh, that's that is pretty cool that he's he's getting a little you know. He's he's growing as a character. And yeah. I love seeing that in film when we see the character start to grow.
1: One of the things that actually kind of sticks out to me is he looks at all of them. And he's like, "I don't recognize any of you boys. You from around here?" Which he knows he's a part of the clan. Oh. He should recognize them all. Interesting. And so, he
0: knows that they're not a part of here. So he's 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 recognizing like even if the clan like there's almost an organization to this this. Club, yeah, and he's realizing you guys just came down here to start trouble in yep. a town that you don't belong in. So even within the very skewed morality of this white supremacist organization, he's like, "Listen here, jackasses, this you guys, sounds- this is our fucking territory." He does kind of the- chase them off. The
1: chase They do leave, but not before taking literal parting shots at the diner. They literally shoot holes in the diner. Dick, not the whistle stop. Nope. That's um, how things go down at the whistle stop. So some time passes, and Ruth attends a revival. Which a revival, if you don't know what that is, it's an event hosted by a church where everyone kind of goes, and they just kind of praise the Lord. This is where we get Bob Begala? Yeah, this is where we get Bob Bigelow, <laughs> By the Reverend Scroppins. <laughs> and while Iggy is at what's called the Town Follies, it's basically like the skit play thing that they have going on. It, it's pretty funny because she is dressed in... Was kind of normal, itchy attire. He's dressed, Grady is there as well, and he's dressed in a dress. Nice. And it's just kind of funny the skit that they're doing. But this is where Frank takes the opportunity to come try to get Buddy. So he comes in Buddy again? Buddy Jr. Oh, uh, the baby. baby, Okay, got it. Right. So he comes in and he basically walks into the house. Sipsy tries to stalk him, but he cold clocks her with the edge of a butt of a gun. Shit. And she gets knocked out. I don't know how Big George found out about this, but then you see him flash to Iggy and he's like, you need to come now. As Frank is heading to his car and he's getting ready to take Buddy, he hears the sound of a whistle in the background. Okay. And it almost acts as kind of an alarm at that point. And it also is something that's been happening the entire time. It's like alerting us to
0: stuff that's about to happen. So Buddy Sr., uh, Chris O'Donnell, when he dies, is there a whistle? I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. And was there any whistles when Ruth is trying to leave Frank uh, during that um, that confrontation at the house?
1: I don't think there's a whistle there, but there is
0: a whistle in the beginning of the
1: movie as well, which kind of signifies like, hey, something's about to happen.
0: Interesting. So it's not necessarily a a harbinger of death, but it's letting you know know there's a change. Gotcha. Okay, so a, a big significant of a change in in the narrative is taking place. Or, yeah. or or the, the winds have changed. It's almost signaling the winds have changed, yeah. maybe, is a better way to put
1: it. Okay. So, during this time, as soon as Frank is, like, about to get to the car, Smokey shows up out of nowhere and says, you know, you shouldn't be taking Miss Ruth's baby. And he kind of steps to Frank. Frank hits him, kind of hits Smokey to the ground. And he starts to get up. And someone hits Frank over the back of the head with a frying pan. Awesome. Frank, gets, he falls, and it looks like that's it for Frank. So there is kind of a time jump after this. Buddy has grown up a little bit. Buddy Jr. Yeah, Buddy Jr. has grown up a little bit. Time has passed, and Frank just seems to have gone by the wayside. There is a character that does show up, and he starts investigating. He's like, you know, Frank Bennett's been gone. We need to figure out what the hell is going on. Who is this character? His name is Curtis Smooth. Smooth? Yeah, Smooth. Smoot, um, sorry, smoot. Wait, oh, I think I remember who that he's was. He's like a too. very Weasley character. Yeah,
0: he's uh uh Rainer Schnein, I think is the uh, guy's name what is. is it? Uh, my cousin Vinny. Yeah. He's the the guy with all the crud on his window. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I remember this guy. Um
1: but he was like, I've been hired to figure out what the hell is going on here because we now have a missing man in Georgia. Because you know, he's from Georgia. He's right. a Georgia policeman. He he wants some he wants some justice. <laughs> and he has heard what's kind of gone on between Iggy. Big George and all of them. He, I'm pretty sure it's kind of alluded to that he was actually in the clan with Frank. Oh, so now he's missing a a clan brother. Gotcha. So he tells Iggy, he's like, wasn't it true that you told everyone that you were going to kill Frank?
0: I knew that was going to come back. Yes. So when they were at the house and she said, the next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. He's now, he's now throwing that in her face as the, as a possible motive for why he can't find Frank. Yeah. Nice. He tells her, you know, you know out
1: here that doesn't fly the law in georgia is different than alabama we hang people out there for that he's like this Damn. It, basically he says it's the death of a white man we hang people for that
0: well yeah
1: yeah um but you know he keeps coming back he's a recurring character he's a Weasley little detective he's really just trying to figure out what's happening no when
0: fight. you say he keeps coming back like are we are we kind of skipping around on the timeline here while while cuz obviously you know it's it's weird we're like an inception here we are in the midst of a story being told to Evelyn yeah. from uh, Jessica Tandy's character. Yeah. Uh, Ninny. Ninny. And are we saying that within that story, he is? Uh, we're kind of jumping in time, or is he just or are we kind of having a montage of him going around doing the investigation?
1: No, it's just it keeps jumping back to okay. him
0: showing up later on down the line. Gotcha. He so
1: just he, keeps coming back. He wants to figure this out. He's
0: making several trips, yeah. And he's really he's he's we're, we're painting him as that that archetype of a character that can't give up on the investigation despite the fact that uh, you know there's been no breaks or no leads in in several years. Yeah. Gotcha. He basically wants to break this case. He knows it boils down. Uh-huh. Ah. It boils down to. <laughs>
1: that joke will make sense later. Yeah, it'll make sense later. <laughs> it boils down to Big George, Iggy and everyone there. It kind of comes out that there's some stuff happening. And again, it's it's one of those situations because the director took the direction, huh? Hey. He, since the director went in the kind of the direction that he was intending to go about kind of shying away from the lesbian relationship, you can tell that Curtis has some type of reservations about Iggy. And he says, you know, you took her away from Frank. You know, you took a wife and a, a child away from her
0: husband. So even, even with almost blatantly avoiding the relationship storyline between the two women in creating this film, we're still getting those hints that you just cannot ignore from from the 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 film, uh, the 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 book to play uh, yeah. or what is it called? Uh, uh, best. What is it called? The adaptation? Yeah. Book to screenplay. Yeah. Um, so even 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 though we've okay, so I'm gonna start back. Yeah. Uh, so even though we have we are completely avoiding the relationship storyline, you can still see those hints of it even within the way the characters are interacting. um, with that jump from the book to the screenplay. Yes. It's still the theme is still there. It's just kind of watered down. Gotcha. Kind of like the way you make Kool-Aid. <laughs> What what does that have to do with anything? It's watered down. Why is it watered down? Because you don't add enough sugar. Are, like I, the way I make Kool-Aid? Yeah. Or the you, you make chicken. Are you insulting the way I make Kool-Aid? I'm saying you're bland. You're not wrong, but <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> shit. I was I was I was at the whistle stop cafe enjoying some fucking fine green tomatoes and all of a sudden now I can't make Kool-Aid? What the shit? Well, shying away from
1: Kool-Aid. They had no Kool-Aid in 1930. There might have been Kool-Aid. That no, was no Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. I'm going to look it up now. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Curtis just keeps coming back, and Ruth obviously knows that there's something going on. Hash 1927. 19, shut <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Back to what
0: I was saying. <laughs> back, back to the Whistle Stop Cafe. Yeah,
1: back to the Whistle Stop Cafe. Ruth is very worried that... Frank is going to show up because they can't find him. She thinks he can be anywhere. So she's talking to Iggy. and she's she's basically just freaking out. She's saying that because she doesn't know where he is, she will not let Frank have her kid. She's like there's times that you know, if he was ever going to come take my kid, I'd break his neck. Like oh. he's not 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 Frank, buddy. She would break Buddy's neck before
0: she would let Frank have him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Shit. I don't remember that. That's kind of dark for Ruth. God, Ruth. First Chris O'Donnell, now this. Jesus. Iggy actually tells Ruth,
1: I'm only going to tell you this one time. You don't have to worry about Frank Bennett. And Ruth says, did you kill him? Iggy says, do you really have to ask me that? And she's like, yeah. And that kind of leaves it at that. That's totally stop it. Are are you fucking kidding me? That's really (laughs) all you get from that. And I'm, I'm telling you. All right. Now we're flashing back to present, which is the 1990s. So we're back in the nursing home. Yes. All right. Evelyn has taken the strength of these two women that she's hearing all these stories about. She's now on her hormones, I guess. (laughs) This is kind of what Annie says. And she's really changed. She's become more of like a flashier dresser she's really taking pride in her appearance she's got a appearance she's got she's taking pride in her appearance she started working out she also has a job she starts working at mary Kay.
0: oh nice all right
1: yeah and she's really just trying to be good for herself she's she understands that there's some problems with her marriage ed's gonna do what ed's gonna do if he wants this marriage to work out he's gonna have to try because now i'm living for me and there's kind of a turning point when this happens is whenever she's in the parking lot of a grocery store. I think it's like a Kmart, actually. And these two younger women oh, pull God, in. I this. Yes. Cool. And they pull in this little Volkswagen Beetle. And she looks at them, and they had just stolen her parking spot. And she's like, hey, I was going to park there. And the ladies say, <laughs> don't face it. We're younger and we're faster. And she looks at them. And she, this moment just clicks for her. She rams her car into the back of their bug like four times, and the entire time she's just like, "Tawanda." (laughs) Wait, what's Tawanda? Tawanda is kind of a cry that Iggy's had throughout this entire time. She she doesn't say it all that often, but when she does, it's like this is my warrior cry. Because now that she's listened to Iggy's stories, she's kind of taken Iggy as her spirit animal. She's embracing her, and she's not going to let people stop her anymore. So she's Evelyn
0: not- has taken this Tawanda cry, and now she's using it in this moment where she she's kind of had it, had it up to here with these two individuals who have stolen a parking spot from her. Which you know, kind of harkening back to earlier, where the kid tells her to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, this would just be a time when she would walk away, but now she's she's taking it into her own hands. Yep. So so this is so this is kind of harkening back to. When she had the earlier confrontation with the young man and told her to fuck off, but now she's empowered yeah. and she's crashing this vehicle. And what does she say next? She says, Face it,
1: girls. I'm older and I have more
0: insurance." <laughs> it's such a good line because now you can
1: totally see the change in her. She goes and she talks to Nini. And she's telling Nenny about how she feels and she's... Now she takes this kind of Tawanda the Avenger to a whole nother level. She starts going off about how she wants to rid the world of all the punks that are out there. and she (laughs) The punks. (laughs) She wants like uh, all the wife beaters, all the Frank Bennett's of the world. She says that she wants to hold a gun to their genitals. Jesus. Get (laughs) it, Kathy Bates. And she's like basically saying that anyone that tries to hold women to a certain standard of being like... Hundred and thirty pounds is like not sexy. She she's basically like she wants to kill them all. God damn. And then Nanny's like
0: How many of them hormones you taking, honey?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tell her Nanny. But she's she's really just going on and she's just bettering herself. She realizes that no matter what's going on with her and Ed, she's gotta be good for her. Cause to get like to really be there in the world, she's gotta try to take it by the balls. So Ed kind of confronts Evelyn, and he tells her, you know, he doesn't understand how she could run into the back of a car six times. That's a goof because it's actually only four. And she basically was like, oh, you know, it was an accident. And then she has to explain to Ed that the reason that she's taking all these classes and the reason that she's trying to make herself look better, she's doing all these things, because she's trying to save their marriage Ed just doesn't understand it because as he walks in at one point she's tearing down a wall in the house. Oh shit. Just because she wanted to see more light and she's taking all of her aggression out and as she's saying it she's like all you want to do is sit on your butt and watch football, baseball gla- something of the gladiators it was like, um, Oh American gladiators? Yeah American <laughs> gladiators. There's, there's a reference. And she tells him that you know we have to work together essentially. Now, as I said, it does kind of get kind of wibbly-wobbly about how things are going to happen. But eventually, Evelyn does find out that Ninny is not actually in the nursing home for herself. She's in the nursing home because she's kind of with her old friend, Mrs. Otis, who's staying there. And She's like, I'm just here for her. I'm eventually going to move back to my house. Evelyn does find out later on down the line, her house has been demolished. There's no way she's going back because it was condemned. Shit. So she knows that Ninny has nowhere to go. So she tells ed i want to move her in here with me she's done so much for me with all these stories i want to move her in bring her in give her a home and ed says that's never going to happen so evelyn takes what ruth said earlier on never say never to me kind of takes that and says you're not going to say this to me it's going to happen and she says if you won't listen to reason there's always to wanda and then just walks out the door
0: (laughs) <laughs> Kathy Bates you marvel <laughs> it, it's super great <laughs> I love that
1: woman. <laughs> Evelyn goes to visit Nini and Nini is explaining more about the past kind of telling her what's going on again I'm gonna tell you right now buddy I think is just an unfortunate name because this poor child kind of has the same incident happen that happened to the original Buddy. Jesus
0: fucking Christ. How are we about to hit this fucking kid with a train?
1: Kind of. He gets... <laughs> what do you mean kind of? How do you kind of get hit by a well, train? They don't really show what happens, but he gets stuck. I- I'm assuming he's about 12 years old, something like that. He gets stuck on the train tracks. A train comes. You hear all these cr- these kids screaming his name. The little, little bastard loses an arm, okay? <laughs> what the fuck? So Buddy Jr. loses an arm. And they kind of play it as if he's dead because they have this this little, like, uh, headstone that
0: says, you know, Look, here's Buddy, but it's really just his fucking arm that they put in the casket. Right, because I think I remember this thing, cause it says, here lies Buddy Jr.'s arm. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, because <laughs> they just, they, just they, 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 they pan down so that you can see that, no, it's yeah. not Buddy Jr., it's just his arm. And Ruth's like,
1: I, I don't know why we insist on having a funeral for an arm. And she's like, she's like, I kind of get it, but she's just like, I don't know why Edgy keeps calling him Stump. <laughs> Oh, Ibsy, no. So no. Sipsy explains that you know she'd rather him call it or she'd rather her call it before she, anyone else did. Oh, so no. <laughs> just, just well. a little bit after this, they end up finding Frank Bennett's truck. Oh shit! It they dredge the lake and out comes the truck.
0: This is the truck that he was about to get into. Yeah, the he was about to get into when the he got kid. hit with a frying pan. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: So now they've kind of got it. Kurt, uh, sorry. Now Curtis Smoot is kind of been vindicated a little bit. He says, okay, well, we're going to definitely get them for murder. So, Iggy, Big George, they know that that's probably who killed them. And Grady says, we got to get you out of town, Iggy, because we can kind of give up Big George, but we really don't want you to die. Shit. So, like, somebody's got to hang for this, and,
0: you know, it kind of makes sense. Let Big George go. So, the sh- so that, re- that redemption arc that we saw is pretty much gone now from the sheriff. Well, you kind of get the you kind of
1: get an inkling that he loves Iggy, so he's really trying to say, get out of here. I love you. You need to oh, go. Oh,
0: ro- he has kind of a romantic uh, feelings towards Iggy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, Iggy and Big George are taken to Georgia because
1: Frank is a Georgia citizen, and that's where they're going to try to try them. Shit. Big George and Iggy are taken to Georgia because that's where they have to stand trial because Frank is a Georgia citizen, and that's where they're going to hold this. Shit. Iggy is on the stand and she's kind of charming everyone in the room, you know. The entire courtroom is kind of laughing at some of her jokes that she's saying, but then she trips up because the prosecuting attorney, I forgot exactly what he says, but he basically insinuates that she basically took Ruth away from her loving husband and then whenever it didn't work out for him, she killed
0: him. So the prosecution is trying to paint Frank as just this sweet, loving loving, husbandly, fatherly figure. Yep.
1: Fuck. And she's saying that because you are a degenerate, you killed him because of this. And she calls him, I forgot exactly what it is, but it ends up being like a bubble bubble face baboon or something like that. <laughs> and Classic Edgy. And at that point, it's like that's not going to work well for her. Ruth does get put on a stand and she's basically just kind of saying that no, Frank was a monster and that Edgy did not take her away from a loving husband. That he was just kind of an ass. Yeah. Then they put Reverend Scroggins on the stand. No, no, you t- you say his yeah. real name, Reverend Scroggins. No,
0: no, what's his name? It's Scroggins. It's, no, it's 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 it, it's Bob Bigelow. It is Reverend Scroggins. <laughs> God damn it, Reverend Bob. So Reverend Bob Bigelow.
1: <laughs> Reverend Bob. No, Reverend Scroggins gets put on the stand, and before that, they actually do swear men. They say. You know, give you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, to help you God. Which, and of course, they, they would do on a Bible. Yeah, on a right? Bible. Okay. And he's got a Bible in his hand, and he's like, I'd rather do it on my own. Okay, fair enough. So he swears on his own Bible. And he gets put on the stands. They basically ask Reverend Scroggins, you happen to know the whereabouts of Iggy. And what Iggy says is that she had been, I believe, at home with Ruth or something like that. And he says, no, that's a lie. Oh, shit. And so the entire courtroom like, "Oh my god, Iggy at this point knows he's a reverend. He's just swore on the Bible. Like she's, she's... So,
0: and he just blew up their alibi.
1: He just blew up the alibi. It's done. So he says, "No. Big George and Iggy both were at one of my revivals where Ruth had been earlier." Wait, what? And the the courtroom's like, "No, so you're saying that she could have left the revival?" And come back, and he's like, have you ever been to one of our revivals? <laughs> they last nice five time. days. <laughs> <laughs> Did they really? Yeah. What? <laughs> Fuck. And so at that point, the judge is like, we don't even have a case here. You don't have a You don't have a body. You don't have anything. They've been at this revival. I don't give a goddamn what's going on. We're just going to let him out. He says that he thinks he got drunk and wandered into the lake and
0: drowned himself. That's pretty much what he says. And he's like, case closed. Can you imagine if judges had that kind of discretion now? They'll be able to just go, okay, you have a major case. This is done. Yeah, this is done. As we're opposed dismissing. to the uh, defense having to call a motion for that. Yep. The judge just goes, no, we're no, done. No, we're I've done. Got, I've this. got shit She's to like, do. You've wasted
1: my time. I've got golf. It's the South. I've got to eat some chicken. <laughs> the colonel's outside. <laughs> It's just one of those kind of situations. You're telling me the Reverend lied? Yeah. Well, okay. What the fuck? He swore on the Bible. Well, that's where it kind of comes into play, because Ruth is explaining to Iggy, because Iggy's kind of incredulous about this. She says, you know, I can't believe he swore on the Bible. And Ruth tells him, or tells Iggy, you know, if they just would to look closer, it was a copy of Moby Dick. <laughs> And she does tell Iggy, you know, I promise that you're going to go to church now. And Iggy tells her, I'm I'm never going to forgive you for this as long as she lives.
0: (laughs) I swear on a copy of Moby Dick, this is a great movie.
1: (laughs) A little bit down the line, you come to find out that Ruth's mom died from cancer. Mm. And this is where things kind of take a dramatic turn. At this point, Ruth starts to get sick. Mm. She is bedridden. She can't really do anything. And Iggy is still trying to hold hope that she's gonna get better. Like they're gonna find something that's gonna be able to cure her. Like and how how old is is Ruth at this point? Like Ruth at this point is probably thirty or something. Oh, okay, like so that. she's she's still really really, really young. young. Okay, and she tells Iggy, you know, take care of Buddy because she's she's not gonna make it any longer. And Iggy keeps telling her, you know, you know, you're gonna make it. So they call Buddy and Buddy Junior. He has kind of a not even a farewell with his mom. It's just kind of a last. Last scene between a mother and a son. And then Sipsy kind of edges Buddy out. Iggy and Ruth kind of have a moment where Iggy's pouring her heart out to Ruth. Just basically telling her, like, you're going to get better. Things are going to get good. Ruth asks Iggy to tell her about the lake that the, used to be there. The lake. Okay, I don't think I remember this part. Apparently there used to be a lake that surrounded the entire town. And at one point, a Whenever bunch of froze ducks over, flew in, got trapped on the lake and... Rose over. They actually flew off and took the lake with them. So this is a story that Buddy actually told Ruth earlier on in the movie. Oh, okay. And she's just basically telling Iggy, you know, tell me that story again. Even though she's heard this story m- multiple different times, she really wants to hear it again. Iggy's looking out the window as she's telling the story, and as she turns around, she finds out that Ruth has passed away. Iggy is bawling at this point. She is just distraught because, I mean, as... As the movie has kind of shown, this is her best friend, and there's been some hints that she's been more than that. Now, Sipsy kind of tells Iggy, you know, Ruth was a lady. She knew when it was time to go. Now, it's in the present
0: again. So, we're, we're back at the we're, nursing know, we're,
1: home? We're back in the nursing home, okay. and Evelyn leaves. And this is kind of like the end of the story for Ruth, and kind of for Iggy as well. And Evelyn knows that, all right, well, I'm going to go back home kind of think about some things i'm going to continue my career and just keep doing what i'm doing later on she does go back to the nursing home to go visit ninny and ninny is not there oh god she sees that in the room that ninny's been staying the nurse is now taking all of ninny's pictures off the walls ninny had had all these flowers and different things like that just plastered all over the walls because she couldn't have a garden that she had back at home so she wanted to make her own garden in the room the nurse is removing all of these stickers and she says that the person that was staying in there died. What the fuck? And so Evelyn is freaking out. She's saying, why could you be so callous? Why are you doing this right now? She just died and she she's lost her best friend just kind of like Iggy had lost Ruth. She now lost Ninny. And as she's doing this, one of the nurses that had been earlier in the movie tells, you know, Evelyn, why are you, why are you crying? I thought you'd be happy for Mrs. Threadgood. And she's like, what, what, what do you mean? She's like, No, the person that died, and Mrs Mrs. Otis, who was who Ninny was visiting. And it it kind of flips at that point because One oh, so, starts.
0: So Ninny's not dead. No, Ninny's not dead. Oh god. No, no, no. And, <laughs> I'm sitting here, I'm just I'm leaning in closer I'm like <laughs> But but Ninny no. Jessica Tandy, bring no. her back. Ninny
1: is still alive and she just went home. But as we found out earlier, Ninny doesn't really have a home. It was demolished. Been bulldozed. Yeah. So Evelyn actually has a moment where she starts kind of freaking out in a happy way. She's like, oh my God, Mrs. Otis. Mrs. Otis died. And she's excited about it. And the
0: nurse is like, <laughs> uh. just <laughs> like, are you going to throw a hat on a train next, you evil bitch? No, <laughs> kidding. So Nini has gone
1: back home. And as we kind of find out, Nini lived right down the street from the Whistle Stop Cafe. Evelyn goes back to the town. Nini's distraught. She's basically saying that my house is gone. How could they just take my house? Like, there's nothing in there that they could have wanted. And then Evelyn does tell her, "I'm sorry, I didn't tell you, but your house was condemned. They had to, they had to bulldoze it, essentially." Shit. And she tells Ninny, "I want you to come back and live with me." And Nini's like, "Oh, what'll Ed say?" And she's like, "Ed'll get used to it.
0: Ed'll <laughs> <laughs> do what I tell him to fucking do,
1: because Ed's a dick." And she she has one kind of like one last story to tell Evelyn because. We really don't know what
0: happened to Frank Bennett, really. Oh, right. Yeah, I completely forgot about Frank at this point. Like, I know we had a trial on where he was, but honestly, I just, as long as he wasn't around, I guess I just didn't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know that somebody hit him on the back of the head, but you really don't know what happened. So what happened to Frank? So Nanny starts
1: telling her the story, and she says that night when Smokey got knocked out and, or just kind of got knocked down by Frank, the person that hit him on the back of the head with the frying pan was Sipsy.
0: Sipsy. Of course, Sipsy's, yes. of course, Sipsy's the hero of the whole story. So
1: Smokey does say to him, as he's already down, you know, I told you you shouldn't have taken in- <laughs> Miss Ruth's baby.
0: The way he's saying that after his Sipsy hits yeah, him with Yeah, he's already down. <laughs> <laughs> it seems kind of yeah. hard to flex after somebody else had to do the, the, the hard work. <laughs> and Smokey had actually disappeared from town
1: right after this. It wasn't really an integral part of it, but he did disappear. You don't really see him for the rest of the movie. All right. But then you find out that it was because they basically said, Smokey, you need to leave town after this because... If you're here, they're probably going to suspect you, essentially. Sure. Big George, Iggy, and Sipsy, because that's kind of what Big George was going to do that night where he said, no, you need to come with me right now. He was telling Iggy, we need to figure out what to do with his body. Well, they did find out what to do with uh, Frank's body. Iggy has a moment where she's like, you know, Big George, let's have a barbecue. Because they had the best barbecue in Alabama. What? So... It's pretty much stated that they cooked Frank Bennett and served him at the Whistle Stop Cafe. Now, Evelyn asked Ninny, because she's like, oh, my God, what happened? She was like, you know, the secret's in the sauce from what I'm told. (laughs) Yeah. So they boiled him up, made barbecue, and ate him. What's kind of really sweet about this is that Smokey loved Ruth. That's what's kind of pointed out, is that after the time that you know she showed him that kindness, he really just loved her. And so he would have done anything to protect her. So he did leave town. He came back years later. He was an old man and he meets Buddy, Buddy Jr. and oh. says, you know, pretty much, you know, he knew his mom. So that's like kind of the last time you see Smokey again. But he had a moment where he would have done anything to protect Ruth and her family.
0: So, so nobody realized that Frank Bennett was being served. Nobody was, like, eating the eating the ribs and being like, God, this tastes awfully racist.
1: I mean, from what I understand... <laughs> I mean, from what I understand, human just tastes like pig, so he's racist pig, I guess. Oh, from what you understand, huh? Yeah. That's what people say. Goddamn can It's like long pork. <laughs> <laughs> like a long or long like pig, pork. or whatever they call it. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so the end of the movie, it's... it's. I know we've kind of taken a journey with this movie. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah. Um,
0: what day is it? right. <laughs> the Super Bowl. Oh, fuck <laughs> this. It is. What time does it start? Oh, we got hours. Yeah. We're we got a couple <laughs> hours. But we do see
1: that the ending shot of this is Ninny and Evelyn walking into a cemetery where she does see Ruth's headstone. And she sees a jar of honey on it. Oh, okay. And there's a note that says, from your beach armor.
0: And Evelyn kind of looks around. She's like, wait, is he still alive? Because you got to remember this is from the 30s. Right. So yeah, Iggy would be cuz in in the 30s Iggy's uh, in her 20s. So she'd be 80 by this point, right? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Or 80 80 90
1: cuz I think towards the end of the movie or uh, sorry, the, sorry, at the end of the 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 story from that time she probably would have been about the 30s just like Ruth. But yeah, she says that she's still alive. Now, I this is kind of a misconception on my part. When
0: I was a kid, I thought that Ninny was Iggy. I was about to ask that. Like how does Ninny you know, Nini seems to know all this, like, local folklore and lived right down the street. Is is she one of the characters, or is she literally just a storyteller to us? One of the things that kind of comes into play in the beginning I purposely left out just because
1: I wanted you guys to see what I saw as a kid. Like, kind of like, with the journey, kind of seeing, oh, is Nini really just Iggy? In the beginning of the movie, Nini does mention that she married Iggy's brother Cleo, but you never meet Cleo in the movie. So you really didn't really know. Was she just lying or is she actually Iggy? But why would she have a
0: reason to lie about
1: that? Who was the first wedding for? Well, that wasn't Nini. No, that was for um, a sister
0: of That was a sister of Iggy. Yeah. And that, and we're expected to believe that Nini married a brother of Iggy. Yeah. So Iggy is Nini's sister-in-law. Yes. Okay. But to me and a lot of people, they really thought that Nini was just Yeah, Iggy. I think I thought the same thing uh, as a kid. I... I it's hard to imagine Nini having all of this very intimate I mean, she knows the mur- she knows who did the murder, for God's sakes. Like that's I mean, and yes, this was sixty years ago, so by that time, maybe rumor mill or, you know, she, we can't even we have to assume that she is a reliable narrator, but you know, there's no telling. Yeah. Um, so either she has a very intimate knowledge of this because, you know, maybe hell, maybe Iggy told her. Who the hell knows? Or, you know, hell, she could be talking out of her ass. who the, yeah. hell, I mean, who the hell knows? But it's just interesting
1: to know that AG is still around, still kicking, still Tawanda and up. And that brings us to one of my favorite parts of the show where we talk about who Sam Elliott would be in
0: this movie. Who would Sam Elliott be in this movie, AJ?
1: Oh, there's there's only one one character that he could possibly be.
0: Only in. only one. That's a that's a that's a bold statement, sir. That's Sipsy. <laughs> you, you, you know it's gotta be Sipsy. <laughs> the secrets in the sauce. <laughs>
1: I, you know I, that's what's going. I, mean, on.
0: I, I know you're right, but it's I still I just I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it go in that direction. That's who did you think? I don't know. I I I honestly I probably thought um it would just be hilarious for him to play Kathy Bates and hear him screaming Tawanda. Wanda to Wanda <laughs> just, <'cause, laughs> just that quintessential Sam Elliott like well I go I sometimes I just look at myself in the mirror and think you know what Tawanda. Because that's just the thing that is. <laughs> I, mean, I, I
1: guess I could kind of see that, though, too. You know, if you don't listen
0: to reason, there's always to wonder. <laughs> <laughs> so in the film, is the Whistle Stop Cafe still open? I can't remember. Is it- no, the Whistle Stop Cafe has been long been closed. Well, within the film? Yeah, within the film. What about in real life? Um, So there is a Whistle Stop Cafe,
1: and the Whistle Stop Cafe in real life is actually in Georgia, which is interesting because the movie's in
0: Alabama. Well, yeah, so because in the movie, the Whistle Stop is in Alabama, and Frank is from uh, Georgia, Georgia, and we only go to Georgia for the trial and for Frank.
1: There are some fun things that have happened with this movie that I thought were just kind of funny. Okay, hit me. So in a behind-the-scenes vignette for the movie, I found out that Mary Kay actually tied in some promotional stuff with this because she was a mary Kay representative right in the movie and so kind of to go along with this if you bought a previously viewed copy of the like the actual
0: vhs then you could get like a makeover wait how does that so how would they know so like if somebody so you so if somebody buys fried rich Mano's brand new and they watch it and then they go give it to like a secondhand store or something else and you buy that, they would give you a makeover? Well, I think you had to buy it from... Because at the... I don't know if you remember at the time. You're I mean, you're older than Sin, so I think you don't.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> you fucking dick. I mean, during the time, there were a whole bunch of like, VHS stores.
0: And it would just say, previously viewed. Okay, sure. Yeah. A lot of people didn't keep their freaking... VHS is back. Right. Away. So is that, that's what I mean. Is like, did how, how did this work? Did, so I go to one of those stores, I buy a copy, I take it to Mary Kay and say, hey, give me a makeover? I'm assuming that they gave you like a ticket or something like that. I don't, I don't really know. Okay. So they might have had to do promotional things with local stores. Yeah. Okay. Got gotcha. it. That's what I'm thinking. It
1: was just like, all she had to do was basically bring the pre- proof of purchase to Mary Kay They give you a free gift and a makeover. All right. It's this, right. this is interesting to me. That is cool. Now, I will say that I have not gotten that far into the book and the book has been a bestseller, but there are some differences, like I've said. But as well as the book did, the movie did even better. The movie, I think, had a budget of eleven million dollars, and it made one hundred nineteen point five million dollars. Yeah,
0: especially for nineteen ninety one, that's that's a that's a blockbuster right there. Oh yeah. The critics loved
1: this movie. Even um, Kathy Bates said that when she watched this movie, for the first time she ever, like, first time really that she ever sat through a screening of her own film, she wanted to watch it again. She really, like, loved this movie. Oh,
0: oh, really? Oh, she didn't want to watch herself hobble James Caan over and over again? I, I mean, if you really <laughs> want to see a movie that she would probably not want to watch over
1: again, it's called About Schmidt. Was- oh, God, with uh, uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some there's some scenes in there. You see a lot of Kathy Bates in that movie. Like, what do you mean? I see a lot of like I get like just watch the movie. Uh, just watch the movie. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, it did really well. It was nominated for a bunch of different awards. It only won a couple of them, which I thought was interesting to me. But the two that it did won was the BMI awards. It won for motion picture uh, composer
0: award for like the actual composer of it. That makes sense. The 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 over the music that's overlaying this film is is both haunting and magical god that sounds awful <laughs> it's both it, it is it's It's. just really it plays so well into the film it, it really helps evoke mm. the emotions that are trying to be reached uh within the context of each of the scenes I, I mean the composer on this did an amazing job and also
1: it's very interesting as i said going back to the book there are differences one of them being that it is only hinted at in the movie that there's a lesbian relationship in the book it's directly stated
0: this won the Glad Media Award for outstanding film. Really? Mm-hmm. So even with just the hinting at it, being that it's 1991, Glad was willing to recognize that and say, "Hey, we we understand and appreciate the limitations that you're under in the film industry to try to make a product that can both satisfy audiences and and not uh, isolate itself." but that you didn't sacrifice everything and we can definitely see the love and maturity between two female characters so i just want to say thank you everyone for staying with us
1: on this journey i know it's been a long one but i really wanted to showcase a movie that not necessarily fell by the wayside but it's something that i know that i've asked a lot of people have you seen fried Green tomatoes and they'll say oh no i've never seen that i try to tell them what the movie's about and i fuck it up so it's like (laughs) with this podcast that's kind of what we try to do you know instead of just saying this is the snippet go see this movie actually give you this is what this movie is if you want to go see it go see it so thank you for staying on this journey i'm glad you guys have stayed with us so long already we're now what how many episodes uh, I think this is going to be number five.
0: Yeah, number five. five. Oh, yeah, Lord. five. Yeah, we're getting up there, right? Like we're a we're a whole show now. I know we're a whole show. So where am I, where can I watch this uh, film, AJ? Where can I see Fried Green Tomatoes? So
1: you can watch it on YouTube, Google Play Movies and TV, Redbox, Vudu, and Amazon Prime Video. I will state that every last one of those you will need to actually rent the movie or purchase the movie. It's about three ninety nine. I
0: personally did it on Vudu, even though I own the movie on DVD. I was lazy. So that's what I did. Well, our music is created by Augusto Denise logo is by Arpon design and mixing and editing is done by IPTT studios. And we want to hear from you in your own slice of toast. Tell us about the films that you think we
1: and others should see. You can reach us on Instagram at IPTT underscore podcast, or email us directly at IPTT podcast at gmail.com.
0: And if you find yourself at the whistle stop cafe, enjoying some ribs that taste a little bit like a guy named Frank, remember the secrets in the sauce. No. Oh, fine. You can always get more toast.
1: Thanks for listening.